0: Dr. Marion McNabb and Stephen Mandilli have been at the forefront of cannabis advocacy in the Bay State for years, leading their arguments with science and research and Steve's compelling personal story. In the first part of our live special of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, next... Welcome to the Performer TV studio in Quincy, Massachusetts. I'm Jimmy Young, the host of In the Weeds for this special live edition, and we welcome in two very special guests, Dr. Marion McNabb and Dr. Stephen Mandilli. Doctor, congratulations, Dr. Stephen Mandilli. Did you know you got an honorary degree from the Pro Cannabis Media
1: Institute? What an honor. I knew you'd be happy about that. I'd like to thank my parents.
0: (laughs) The Academy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, these people, or even myself, uh, Pro Cannabis Media is a pro-cannabis media site, and we are dedicated to telling the stories of the cannabis industry through their own words. Two people in studio right now, Dr. Marion McNabb and Stephen Mandilli, have been at the forefront of cannabis advocacy in Massachusetts over the last umpteen years. How's that? Is that fair enough? Umpteen? That's, that's one of those... That's fair. M- that's fair?
2: Yes. That's a decade yes. Or so.
0: But uh, Dr. Marion McNabb from the Cannabis Community Care um, a research network. We call it C3RN just because it's uh, easier to do it that way, right? And uh, Stephen Mandili is a veteran. Uh, he was in Iraq. He got injured. He came back. He went to the VA. They put him on 17 medications. He kicked them all through cannabis.
1: Is that accurate? After the total of everything after the decade, it was 57 medications.
0: Oh, excuse me. It's I, okay. Uh, between one and five, you know. What's 40 a, medications? What's you know? 40 medications? Stephen, your story <laughs> really is compelling, I might add. And and I also understand that, are you now a selectman?
1: Yes, I am. Well,
0: congratulations.
1: Thank you very much. And
0: it's in Uxbridge, Massachusetts.
1: Yes, it is. Which is where Caroline's is. Yes, home of the first uh, woman-owned dispensary in Massachusetts and home to the 1st um license in Massachusetts as well.
0: Very cool. And I've been out to Uxbridge. Actually, Lived in the tiny town of Mendon for there a little come. while. The tiny
1: town of Mendon, Which yep. is
0: right next to Uxbridge. Yep. It's the whole Western metro, you know, metropolis out there, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a hub. It is a hub. And uh, Dr. Marion McNabb, can I just call you Marion? Of course. Thank goodness. Course. And step in a little closer to okay. your microphone so that we can actually hear you. There you go. Um, appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about your Cannabis Advancement Series. And uh, I understand there's another event coming up August 22nd.
2: Yes, yes, yes. yes. On
0: the North Shore.
2: Yes, and I'm glad you have this here. Yes. Um, Really (laughs) exciting. Um, So the Cannabis Advancement Series is a product of um, work that Steve came to C3RN um, in December. Uh, last year asking to see if we can look at um, implementing a research study uh, for veterans uh, and their health and medical cannabis. Um, out of that, a Cannabis Advancement Series was born, uh, which is our educational series around the data that is collected through this research study. Uh, we're on our fourth event now. Um, it's a collaboration between uh, C3RN, uh, Steve, Veterans Alternative Healing, um, and Joint Venture & Co. and BRUM. Um, and so we've all come come together as uh, a partnership. Uh, to run an event series that really tries to uh, bring together leaders in the industry, thought leaders, uh, policymakers, community members, uh, veterans, citizens, uh, scientists, academics, to really engage on on how do we bring this industry here to the next level um, in a thoughtful, professional, and academic way. Uh, so we've had three events so far this year. Our next one is on August 22nd in Lynn, Massachusetts. Ah. Yes. That was Lynn my dad
0: hometown and where my broadcast career began oh, wow. at WLYN in 1979. It was the first talk show that I ever hosted back then. It was called Sports Call, of all things. <laughs> what a shock, right? Right. And I'm going to tell you, you may even remember the first guest I had. You weren't listening, I know. Uh, but do you remember
1: Randy Vataha? I don't. I was two in nineteen seventy nine.
0: I know, but he played football for the Patriots. He played football for involved. Stanford. He used to catch from passes from Jim Plunkett. Doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> somebody out there's my age will remember Randy Bataha. That's all I. Right. And by the way, he's about your size, Marion. By the way, just saying, um, awesome. no dis- let, Here's the thing about cannabis and what I've learned over the first year of this operation that I've been doing this podcast is, science and research is leading this green wave. Of the movement towards decriminalization, descheduling, and proper respect for the cannabis plant.
2: Right? I, I would say um, there's a room and a growing uh, group of academics and scientists, but I think the people are really leading the way um, as well advocates, community members, not just limited to scientists and researchers. I think scientists and researchers have been limited uh, in the last many decades uh, from what they can study around cannabis um, and the funding available, or the resources, or the you know pathway uh, to be able to research cannabis uh, well. So it's really prohibited a lot of academics from being able to meaningfully study it. Now that uh, it's legal here in Massachusetts, um, there's a research license category. Uh, you know, uh, it's part of everyday life now. I think we have more of an opportunity. But in terms of those that are really leading the way. For decriminalization or fighting for rights. I think over and over we often see it's the advocates um, who really are, are pushing change, including my colleague Steve.
1: Yeah, the research and the data, that's like the, the sword and the shield for, for advancement. You know, like we need those tools to, to finish the mission. Uh, it's, we, you're going up against the old propaganda and stigma um, that was put out there, and just people accepted that. Well, the, these numbers that we're collecting now are the answers to the questions of, well, why isn't it legal? You know and it 's always we don 't have the data or it 's this or it 's that, and, and without any proof, so now it 's like well here 's the proof here 's some stories. And here's the numbers to back up what we're saying. That's on a much larger scale than, than you're you're thinking it is.
2: Exactly. And I think the most um, one of the most important parts of our study that we've been working on is the local nature of it. Uh, so you know, just I guess to give the audience a little bit of background, uh, we launched the Veterans Health and Medical Cannabis Research Study uh, together with UMass Dartmouth on March 3rd this year, yep. which was the launch of our Cannabis Advancement Series. Um, It's a study that is fully anonymous, and it's for any U.S. veteran to take, so we don't collect any identifying information, IP address, et cetera, Uh, and what we're doing is asking veterans to um, share their current medical status, uh, what health conditions they're facing, what their conventional treatments are, um, if they consume cannabis, either recreationally or medically. You don't have to consume cannabis as a veteran to take the survey. Um, And then if you consume cannabis medically, um, then we ask for what health conditions they're most helpful for um, and symptoms. And then we drill down into um, stigma and education. Um, So around family acceptance, uh, health provider acceptance, Um, and access issues. So I think we um, really are intending to use this information and this data, anonymous information and data, uh, to really drive change at the local level. Mm -hmm. And what we find, you know, we're focused on Massachusetts here. Massachusetts veterans are, you know, three times more likely to die of an opioid overdose, uh, higher than the national average of veterans and the general population. And there's a suicide epidemic that is of great proportions. Mm -hmm. So uh, among the veteran population, 22 suicides a day. So what we intend to do with our event series and the cannabis advancement series and our research study is at every event, we're trying to use some of this information to drive policy change at the local level, meaning a city or town or wherever we're at and trying to understand you know, within Massachusetts, it's it's its own commonwealth. There's 351, uh, you know, different cities and towns. So it's it's not it's a complex place. Uh, so anyway, trying to use this data to drive change at those local levels um, right. and bring access.
1: And we're finding so many. One of the great things about this, we're finding that that for so many different um, issues, injuries, uh, disabilities of why they're taking the medicine, how they're taking, it, and also which medications that they're able to. Um, Reduce or stop taking, being able to use cannabis, uh, and just due to, to side effect reasons, it, it's just great to be sharing that information with with everyone. You know, we're capturing all this data, all this information from the veteran community, but it's really a snapshot of the the greater picture of you know people, just the United States, with all the different conditions, all the different injuries, mental, physical, both ways, um, and really coming up with with choices, alternatives to you know, in between, because we were talking about this earlier, you're going from ibuprofen to OxyContin. There's there's so much room in That's, between there's there. There's a you big know? jump right there, <laughs> yeah. I just want to say. Yeah. right? It's yeah. a huge jump. So right. how about, you know, you gradually get to that, which was initially created as, like, an end-of-life um, pain reliever to or or any other medication that it replaces. There, there's always that room. And with our event series, we're able to talk to... Uh, Local, you know, whatever area we're in, and we focus on issues relevant. We did the opioid epidemic in Worcester. We did entrepreneurship in in Holyoke. We started off with um, healthcare across the lifespan of the human being in Boston, Um, and and we're just focusing on the things. So it's not for, it's for everyone. You know, we're not leaving out anybody. Whether you have been in the cannabis realm for decades or you're thinking about if you want to learn it's the perfect place to go we're not stigmatizing it's just shared knowledge you're hearing from industry experts whether it be professional uh in the business or physicians so it's it's, it's, it's all free. around it's free exactly
0: and, and that's the idea isn't it with the va to be able to get access to free medication and free health care
1: supposedly right Stephen? that's that's the vision is this ends up you know the va does what they promised us when we promised to go over to fight these wars and being able to take care of us um so to be able to have the va supplying veterans with what they need even if it's cannabis is what we want to see but in the meantime where it's not federally there yet massachusetts we're there we can do it we can start now we can set up something for our state to take care of veterans while the va figures itself out and and things move forward there with the da and everything else
0: yeah and in the world of uh, change down in Washington, D.C., there's so many bills going through the legislature right now, uh, whether it be the States Act or the Safe Banking Act. or. Mm-hmm. But to me, one of the biggest, one of the easiest things I think everybody should understand is can't we help our veterans have access to medicinal marijuana? I mean, right. isn't that a... I mean, it's low-hanging fruit, you you know. Like every every legislator
1: that can do something will come out looking like they're helping veterans, because it's exactly what they're doing. It doesn't seem like rocket science, but
0: right. But he have not gotten it done yet. Right. (laughs) Same thing with the bank. They're still in the they're still in the cash economy. It makes absolutely no sense. They're trying, and hopefully later on in this show we do have a guest planned on the phone. And again, this is the first time we've been in this studio, and you know, Lord knows we're learning lots about visual radio. <laughs> and all the challenges. And uh, again, we're talking to Dr. Marion McNabb and Stephen Mandilli. Um- So uh, we are gonna talk to Morgan Fox, who is the media relations director down at the NCIA, the lobbyist group that's down in DC. Mm -hmm. I've never seen people work so hard. I went down there in May, and they're meeting with everybody and walking, taking walks with everybody. I mean, lobbying is just kind of sharing information and leading with science and research just to get this needle moved a little bit and get the respect that the industry has been craving for, right. for you know for a while and everybody it's really interesting everybody kind of agrees that you know what the time has come to make this decriminalize this thing get this off our books and our and take the people who have been hurt the most by the Mm -hmm. failed war on drugs, give them a chance Mm -hmm. to get a hold of the weed pie, is what I call it, the weed pie. Mary, you you read, I'm sure you do, all the different research and all the different studies out there. There was one recently that came out um, about Colorado and use by youth Mm -hmm. in Colorado. And they're actually finding now that uh, usage by our youth is going down in legal Mm -hmm. states. Yep. And you know, you guys are smiling because I'm, I'm, this is kind of like volleyball where I kind of lay it up for you guys, right? And I didn't mean to hit the microphone. Like I said, it's a new studio. I don't know where anything is. Um, so tell us a little bit about what that study means Yeah, moving forward.
2: Yeah, the reason why I'm smiling is that uh, yesterday Steve was um, aired on PBS Live NewsHour, and that study was the last slide um, on that video that was aired last night. So I would encourage folks to check out that. Um, Can I go back PBS to that a second? Did they explain
0: why it was the last slide? Just out of curiosity.
2: I mean. um, they didn't. But the, if you look at the narrative of their story, right. um, you could understand why they, you know, they wanted. To, you know, it's a very balanced approach to a lot of science right now in the cannabis industry is right and left wing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to. It's a pendulum swing. So anyway, they were doing a really good job at balancing. Right. Uh, and so anyway, that was the last slide. That's why I smiled. Um, the re- <laughs> I think I think. I mean, a lot of things about youth prevention, Um, so I think uh, you know, uh, right now, at least in the Cannabis Control Commission and in Massachusetts, I feel like the state has a legislative mandate and has done a really good job of designing a uh, public health prevention campaign approach messaging system to ensure that young people don't have access. Uh, to cannabis. Um, Also, that there's appropriate labeling, uh, age restriction requirements. I think, you know, the state here has done a very good job of of implementing a public health campaign. So while we see, you know, Colorado youth rates go down, they've implemented approaches that, you know, reduce youth access. I think Massachusetts will do the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And they already have. I mean, we can see great billboards around that are, you know, really promoting like a legal safe uh, environment here.
0: Right. Use it responsibly. Again, I keep preaching this on my podcast on a regular basis, that it's an adult-use product that is expected to be used responsibly, both recreationally and medicinally.
2: Absolutely. Right, Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, it's really important to remember that, um, and I believe that you're going to have a, a colleague and a friend, a pediatrician, on on this show. I think Dr. Eric her, Ruby yes, is going to be coming. Yes, Dr. Kind. Eric yep. Ruby. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, there is uh, pediatric, a lot of evidence and emerging evidence coming out uh, around uh, pediatric uses of medicinal cannabis. Um, so anything from cancers and uh, autism, uh, there's a lot of science going on in Israel around this as well. A lot of clinical research. So, I think it's important to focus on a pediatric population also. So, while we want to ensure youth prevention, uh, you know, uh, we need to make sure that that's balanced messaging, that um, it's not the new dare. It's uh, this is responsible, but it's also a medicine, and, um, you know, be uh, aware that children will need this in school medicinally and mm-hmm. um, I believe maybe you know Steve or maybe at Colorado somewhere recently you know just one school started to allow pediatric mm-hmm. um, medicinal yeah. cannabis use and I think it's really really important I'll be a little provocative because I also think it's important because uh, a lot a lot of our young people take uh, medications that are much stronger um, and mind-altering <laughs> right. in some instances than cannabis um, right. and so I think You know, just being aware um, of a balanced public health approach that ensures uh, prevention while access is is an important one.
0: And this is what I tell parents whenever they ask me, you want to, you know, talk to your kids Mm -hmm. about all the adult use products that are out there. To me, this is a great excuse, a great time to say, look, this is cannabis. This is alcohol. This is caffeine. Yep. Okay. And I normalize had to normalize it. So, right. Well, more, Educate yourself about these products, yeah. you know, more than anything else. And, and, you know, parents always say, oh, it's difficult to talk to my kids about, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It really yeah. is what it comes down to. And I said, well, guess what? <laughs> you were a kid once. Think about what you were going through when you were being pushed or pressured by your friends to, Hey, just try this. And here's my thing that really gets me mad. Okay. A lot of things get me mad. But our youth today, when they do go after alcohol and start experimenting with alcohol, they're drinking to get drunk. They are drinking in excess to the point where you could die by having too much alcohol, especially when it might be the first time your system is dealing with it, Right. right? To me, that is more of a danger than any cannabis drug at any concentrate at any level. I don't care. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is
1: what bothers me. Yep. It's the parent's job to talk to your child about it. I mean, if, if communication is the problem for you, you're going to leave it up to the alternative that they're going to learn about these things through institutions like your school and what their beliefs are or out on the streets. I mean, i would learn a little bit from there, but it's hit or miss when you learn it on the streets. But, yeah. um, but just to say that anything is... That comes without risks Is careless Mm -hmm. So you go through them all And then you're like Okay And cannabis is A form of harm reduction If you're talking about alcohol If you're talking about These other um, You know Stimulants for drug For conditions like ADHD um, Even the The stomach issues That some children have So To say that it's Absolute Without You know Without Any Any negatives From it Is careless But to then put it Into those other boxes With everything else Like They complain about it Being so bad But they put the same uh, messaging for the alcohol warnings as they do on the cannabis warnings, and they complain that it's not bad enough because it doesn't mention psychosis, and it's like, alcohol causes psychosis too, and you don't put it on there. It's this double standard of, well, we don't know what to do with it, so let's just keep it hidden. And it's like, that's not where anything's going to, any any progress is going to be made with it, so. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. And some of the, you know, um, in our first study that was a predecessor <clears throat> to our veteran study, we also asked this data point in our, our current veteran study, which I'll look into now. One of the striking findings we found, we we launched an open cannabis consumer and patient study, also anonymous, last year, and we asked the question, um, you know, are you uh, how is how are you uh, using cannabis within your life? What is your cannabis history? Yeah, like how are you using cannabis in your life? And strikingly, we found um, that many uh, were using cannabis to reduce their use of alcohol, they reduced their use of cigarettes, Mm -hmm. um, and actually serving in data form exactly what Steve said as a harm reduction strategy. So that, you know, as a, and strikingly in our study for veterans, 63% of our most recent data release of the veterans who took our study reporting consuming medical cannabis are using it to reduce the use of prescription medication intake. Right. So we all know that addiction and, and, um, uh, alcoholism, addiction, uh, pills, they're all a complex issues. Um, so if we're seeing that cannabis is, you know, serving as a positive substance substitute or alternative for some of these other harmful substances or unwanted prescription medications, you're reducing, you know, cocktails uh, or the ability to, you know, I just, I just think that there's, there's definitely a need for more inquiry around it. I'm right. not saying that this is a silver bullet or, you know, anything. It's a tool in the toolkit that I think clinical clinicians and academics and healthcare providers and, patients all could benefit from.
1: And it's proving to be a pathway to a better quality of life, which is the most important thing overall. Absolutely. Right.
0: Uh, we do have a clip um, that I'm going to set up a little bit. I've, you know, guys <laughs> remember Johnny Carson, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, is Dr. Your interview with Dr. Lester Greenspoon, oh,
2: right? So. <laughs> and
0: and it's a great little clip. Uh, it's a couple of minutes long because the guy's 90 years old. Yeah. Now, first of all, yes. tell us who he is and what his reputation is. A little bit, guys, and then I'll and then I'll cue it uh, to our technical director and the guy who's putting this all together, Mike Zotos, and he'll play it. But uh, it's a funny story about the, his first time use yes. of cannabis yes. with a very interesting personality. So yeah. first of all, set up. Who's Dr. Lester?
2: Well, I'm going to let Steve do it. Cause right.
1: <laughs> so Dr. Lester Grinspoon is, you know, the the godfather, I think, of, of, of where cannabis came from to today and that he was someone that was, an, you know, an academic that was... You know, sure that cannabis was bad for us was was positive. There's nothing good about it. Yeah, and you then said Harvard, right? At yeah. Harvard, and through his family, through his friends, was proven that he was he was wrong, and was is such a, a great man that he came around the other side and started. Working the other side to find what, you know, to find the truth and has just has helped cannabis move, you know, light years ahead. Um, was one of the, f- you know, early on families needing it for medical uses for, for a child. And it, it's just an amazing story. Has, the whole family's just been so helpful. Um, someone, you know, I met his son, Peter, Dr. Peter Grinspoon, uh, three years back when I first started, um, my recovery and, and being able to read Peter's book about his opioid addiction—it really—he was able to make me feel like I wasn't just some, um, someone you know, oddball with addiction. That it was going across every, you know, to say a doctor come out and say that he had a problem with addiction is, is incredible. So it's just a, a, an amazing family, and we'll get right into it. Let's he's uh, awesome. Let's roll this. Yeah.
0: Let's roll the clip, uh, Mike, and listen to. He's ninety years old now, right? Yes. Uh, yes. All right. Uh, it was Dr. Mary McNabb's interview with uh, Dr. Lester Greenspoon.
3: Well, it was, uh, Carl Sagan and I were the closest of friends, and, um, it was, uh, not too we, right up until the day of his death, we were, we were each other's closest friend, but very shortly after I met him, we were invited to his apartment, and, uh, he lit up a marijuana. A marijuana cigarette. <laughs> a
2: marijuana cigarette. You know,
3: I was, a, a, a psychiatrist whose interest was in psych, psychopharmacology, and you know I was a, a kind of—I uh, wasn't an expert, but I, you know I was supposed to know about those things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it—I uh, said to him, Carl, you mustn't do that. Why not? (laughs) He said to me, and I said, because it will harm your health. Mm. And he took another puff. And he said, he said, here, Lester, have one. I can assure you, it won't harm your health. And you know, I had the greatest respect for Carl. And I thought, you know, I had to take that seriously. I'm gonna. I think he's wrong, but I've got to give him the data <laughs> to <prove> it. He's got to see the data <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He has to see the data. So I went to the Conway Library, and I was going to read some things on cannabis, but I became so involved yeah, so I found it so interesting. I don't believe there's a publication in Conway Library unca- that touches on wow. cannabis that so I didn't read at that
2: would time. Would that be the first systematic literature review on cannabis? Literature? Uh, well,
3: I, it, well, it may be. Uh, I, 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 I can't make that claim, right. but it was the first systematic review for me. <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> that's, that's how I became interested in this. And, I could be reassured that my friend Carl wasn't a hard <laughs> was okay.
2: himself.
0: So that was his first experience with uh, cannabis and he and he um <laughs> He shared a joint with Carl Sagan. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's pretty right.
2: really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty incredible experience. But
0: do you know what? how old he was at that point? Oh,
1: he had to be in his yeah, 30s, I don't, right? I don't, right? I don't
2: remember the exact age. I would have, have loved to have to been to a quote. fly on
1: the wall for those conversations during yeah. those sessions with Lester Gritspoon and Carl yeah. Sagan. Yeah. Like, pretty yeah, amazing. Right, like pretty interdimensional amazing. travel, all that. Yeah. You know, like just amazing stuff, wow. but...
2: Yeah, Dr. Grinspoon obviously is an academic hero, Um, so he basically, um, at Harvard, uh, tried to challenge the prohibitionist movement through academic uh, inquiry. But not just Harvard, it was President Nixon. Yeah, and like presidential levels, he wrote the first book, Marijuana Reconsidered, Uh, several after that, um, challenged uh, the ivory towers around um, the value of studying cannabis illegally um it's like i mentioned before uh it's very difficult to study cannabis as a researcher and it's federally illegal uh so his sort of leadership in taking that torch uh to continue to fight for ethical scientific inquiry is just you know a model for all and got to give that up to sue sicily too um but it was really really incredible to be able to uh, meet him and thank you steve for kind of making that happen and he uh You know, it's just uh, um, one of the most striking points of that interview for me is a lot of the community around he never received professorship, which is a a really large deal. And he's published, you know, hundreds of of publications. So for an academic to not receive your um, professorship is is. You know, significant. Um, So a lot in the community over the last couple of years challenged Harvard around, you know, doing that. And he's fought in his own career. But when I asked him about it, he said, you know, I I really don't care at this point um, because he knows the work that he did made an impact on the community Mm -hmm. and really fought for legalization and. You know, I mean, it was so powerful to hear it from his own mouth. And like academics, I, you know, they they can have egos. Right. And he, right. uh, it was just an incredible moment. Yep
1: yeah i mean i've been fortunate where i've i've had the opportunity to meet dr grinspoon i've also had the opportunity um to to meet the late uh dennis perone in san francisco met marvin gilmore also awesome in boston so i'm learning from all these leaders the pioneers that were doing it back when you know the veterans were getting spit on all this stuff and and they they fought and they never gave up and that was like the main. That's the main thing I've learned from them, and I want to share all of my experiences with with these opportunities with other people that I work with, because it it really drives you to see like these people. You were setting off. You you started off on a task that. Everyone told you wasn't possible, but they never gave up. They had d- doors slammed in their face, they locked up, thrown in jail, still never gave up. So it's just that idea that you have to keep going, and that's and that's where we are with our series and the the cannabis. It's called cannabis advancement. We want to advance everything forward, keep it going, and our focus to be able to do things for veterans is to show that you know it can be done if you really want us to do something. Send in the door kickers first, you know that, and that's what we are. So. But what we need from, from the community at large society is for, um, if, if you really want to help a veteran, it, it takes a little more than a thank you. It takes more than... Um you know, doing, doing push-ups and stuff like that. We need we need the action of the people. Um, it's, it's proven time and time again that it's, it's the people that when they speak, uh, legislators listen. So we need more action. We need more than thanks coming and calling your legislators, coming to these events, sharing your stories, opening up with people, and really um, really activating your government to, to do its job and to say, you know, we've, we've had enough of this 20, 20 to 22 a day. We're not going to stand for that, especially when there's something in the toolbox, like you're saying, that we can pull up and help. Now will it will it be the end all, the the, the magic bullet? No, but again, it's it's harm reduction. It's allowing um, veterans to have a family life again. It's allowing families to move on f- to move forward. It's allowing them to to work. You know, um, just recently, if you last month, a veteran was denied a, a home loan, his VA home loan, because yeah. he was a, a manager at a dispensary. They changed that this week. It's changed that that change that that can no longer keep you from getting a loan. Wow, that's so, great, right?
0: That's awesome. progress,
1: right? Yeah, can give a big a round of applause people. for that yeah. too. Yep.
0: Now, yeah. if we can get the employers to exactly. not fire employees for using cannabis <laughs> on their own time <laughs> and not affecting their job
2: performance, we'll really have made progress. <laughs> Two years ago, I wrote a uh, policy paper about that um, to support workers' rights around that, um, both if you're a medical card holder or not. <laughs> so well, look, I could read. It sounds something like what and you and would read from another country, right? Yeah. Where people don't have
1: rights. It's like, no, your job gets to tell you what medicine you can and cannot take. Yeah, That's right. not fair. You know, it doesn't sound like America, That's but right. here we are.
0: Well, yes. <laughs> well, let's get it. We can certainly be talking about that as well, um, guys. Look, I, mm-hmm. I first of all, want to uh, thank you for coming in today. Uh, yeah. you, your friends, uh, good friends, getting closer and closer. Um, this is a historic time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all in it together. You guys know I'm dedicated to keep telling the stories of people like Steven and you Marion everything that you've done for this cause um, I'm gonna continue to wave the flag I don't care if a million people find out about it or one or two mm-hmm. right because at, at some point we are going to reach that new normal it's just going to be another business yep. it's just going to be another adult use product right mm-hmm. Uh, I hope we all live to see that day. Yes. Yes. yes absolutely. absolutely. I think we're
2: all co-creating it, um, and you know, trying to do that. Together. I want to. I want to get one last plug-in for your cannabis advancement series, yes. and where they can find out more information about it. Thank you. Yeah, cannabisadvancementseries.org. Um, you can find out about our next event it's on August 22nd in Lynn, Massachusetts it'll be around cannabis cultivation extraction best practices Um, it'll be a really cool event uh, more like a mixer networking event where we're going to Uh, invite some key experts in cultivation, extraction, ancillary businesses in the cannabis industry, so everything from like insurance to HR, media, so we hope you'll be there, Uh, (laughs) marketing, etc. We'll have three breakout rooms uh, where interested B2B, business to business, business to consumer, just anybody generally interested in the industry can come and have access to ask questions uh, to different experts in three different areas. Again, free event. We have to give a big shout out to uh, media at Joy. joint venture and code, (laughs) jvco.com. That's right, and, and I see Dr. Eric Ruben's here and <laughs> yes. Beth Doster yeah. So thank you very so much for having us as on. As
0: always guys and I so appreciate you coming out on a nighttime prime time yep. and uh, we're just going to keep it going. Yeah. Awesome. Quickly
1: thank you Jimmy Young. Thank you Pro Cannabis Media. Yes, thank you Performer.com for making veterans uh, a focus A uh, focus you have and lastly a uh, shameless plug I love you Olivia. I love you Abby. I love you Jessica and my family so that's that's shameless. doing my job. No <laughs> yeah. to the right people. Plug to, to the, plug the family right. The family.
0: That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary clinics where the patient comes first. In the weeds with Jimmy Young is a video podcast produced by the Pro Cannabis Media Network for the entertainment and education of our audience. All opinions on this show should not be considered medical advice or reflect the opinions of the management of CLNS Media, C Suite Network, Pro Cannabis Media Group, or its marketing partners.